uncouth intrusion. But caught up as he was in sacred agony, Alejandro did not notice. Then came that holy day of the three kings, when in the midst of his entreaties for the pagans of New Spain, Fray Alejandro suddenly felt a painful heat as if his body were ablaze. In this, the first of his three burnings, Alejandro became faint. He heard a whisper saying, Go and save my children. The bells began to peal, although it was later said the ropes had not been touched. As startled pigeons burst forth from the bell tower, Alejandro rose. How like the Holy Father to command such a journey on that day of days! Without a backward glance, Fray Alejandro strode away from San Francisco's little chapel as if following a star determined to return at once to Ornachuelos in Córdoba, there to seek permission from the abbot of the monastery of Santa Maria de los Ángeles for a voyage to New Spain. The abbot's assent was quickly given, but Fray Alejandro spent many months waiting on the vast bureaucracy of King Carlos III to approve his passage. Still, while the wheels of government turn slowly, slowly they do turn. Finally, in late May of the year 1767, the good friar stood at the bulwarks of a galleon in the West Indian fleet, tossed by the Atlantic, quite ill, and protected from the frigid spray by nothing but his robe of coarse handmade cloth. In spite of the pitching deck, always Alejandro faced New Spain, far beyond the horizon. His short, broad body seemed to strain against the wind and ocean waves with eagerness to be about his father's business. But let us be more patient than the friar, for this is just the first of many journeys we shall follow as our story leads us back and forth through space and time. Indeed, the events Fray Alejandro has set in motion have their culmination far into the future. Therefore, Leaving the Franciscan and a solitary ship, we cross many miles to reach a village known as Rincón de Dolores, high among the Sierra Madre mountains of Jalisco, Mexico, and we fly further still, centuries ahead of Alejandro, to find ourselves in these, our modern times. Accompanied by Norteño music blaring from loudspeakers and by much celebratory honking of automobile horns, we observe the burning of a makeshift structure of twigs and sticks and tainted cardboard, which seemed a more substantial thing once it was engulfed, as if the busy flames were masons hard at work with red adobe. The people of the village of Rincón de Dolores were encouraged by the firmness of the fire. All the village cheered as the imitation barracks burned before them. They cheered and with their jolly voices dared a pair of boys to stay in the inferno just a little longer. There was much to enjoy on that feast day of Fray Alejandro. The floral garlands, the children in their antique costumes, the pinwheels spun by crackling fireworks, the somber procession of the saints along the avenida. But one citizen did not join the festivities. Guadalupe Soledad Consuelo de la Garza trembled as she watched the flaming reenactment of the tragedy of La Misión de Santa Dolores. Who knew, but possibly this year, the boys would stay too long within the flames.
Who knew but possibly this time? The sticks would burn, the cardboard become ash and rise into the sky, and Alejandro and the Indian would not emerge. Spurred to foolishness by those who called for courage, might this be the year when merrymaking turned to mourning? The young woman with the long name, let us call her merely Lupe, feared it might be so, while the imitation barracks burned and the boys remained inside. As was their ancient custom, after the fire was set by eager boys in Indian costumes, the village people chanted muerte, 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 death to Spaniards, death to traitors. Their refrain arose in tandem with the flames. Only when the fire ascended to the middle of the mock barracks' spindly walls did some within the crowd begin to yell, Salid, Salid, Salid.